1: Yeah, I suppose. And uh, yeah, but uh, we sh- we have to nip the situation of uh, the vehicle uh, thefts in this country uh, completely out. Let's talk elections. eh? It's the 29th of May that's gazetted. Uh, this, uh, we know from the past Monday's electoral commission's briefing to the media at their headquarters in Centurion near Pretoria, uh, where they outlined the milestones that relate to to the 2024 national and provincial elections. And the IEC says political parties have been given what they're saying is adequate time to comply with the signature requirements to contest the elections. The elections timetable follows the gazetting of May 29 as the date for the polls. And the commission says the timetable, which was published on the 24th of February, was drafted in consulta- consultation sorry with registered political. Political parties and relates to the cut off dates and times of uh, key activities for registered uh, citizens and election contestants. So this morning we're speaking to the IEC about all you need to know as a voter as we welcome Sai Mamabolo, the Chief Electoral Officer. So let's work back. Good morning, sir. Let's work back from this um, uh, you know, uh, Gazette date of 29 May and your briefing of uh, the 20 of, of last Monday uh, where you say there are timetables there's processes that work uh, back from the 24th of February. Please educate us on what those processes entailed for all political parties that are uh, uh, contesting the elections. Good morning.
2: Good morning, KJ, and um, we're happy to be part of your program this morning to elucidate on some key aspects of the electoral process. To answer your question, the election timetable is a mechanism that is um, provided for in the law to assist with the program for the delivery of the election. So if you like, the election timetable is the motive force that really drives the the planning of election um, the planning of the elections. It provides dates for when the voter's role must be certified. And the voter's role has to be certified having uh, entertained objections that there may be. It may well be that there are people who you think uh, ought not to be on the voter's roll, or there are people who may be excluded who you think may have to be included on the voter's role. So those objections must first be entertained, investigated, and determined. And once so determined, then the as the voter's role is certified and the significance of certifying the voter's role is really to indicate that this is the basis upon which an election is going to be happening. No one more can be included and no one less can be subtracted from the voter's role from the moment of its certification. So it's the basis upon which a free and fair election is built. Mm. Then, from then on, you you go into the uh, candidate nomination, and candidate nomination really is, uh, uh, is, is the bulk of the activities that uh, are underpinned by the election timetable. For instance, on the 8th of March, um, all contestants have to submit their nomination documents as well as their prescribed fees. And and then we have to publish the the nominated candidates so that uh, members of the public, you and I, can know which candidates are being proposed for leadership into our legislative uh, bodies. And if there's anyone who does not meet the constitutional um, provisions in terms of eligibility to stand uh, as a candidate and to to hold office in a legislative assembly. Then, again, objections can be raised. The commission can consider those objections. And if people still believe that um, they are aggrieved by the continued candidature of one person or another, then they can approach the electoral court and for the courts to look at the complaint and determine it. And once that is happened, we will then publish the final list of candidates and issue certificates of candidature to all all the candidates. And only at that point can we start to print the ballot paper, having clarified all issues pertaining to the candidature
1: of people. Let, let me leave it at that for now. Okay. Uh, please bear with me if if um, you know there's parts of what you just said that I may not have understood and I'm still looking for further clarity on it. And, and maybe let's start with that 8 March cut-off date, particularly for the independent candidates, right? Uh, the ones who can probably contest the elections for the first time and new parties that may, uh, you know, uh, have never been in the election be, uh, before. What what processes need to have happened for, uh, you know, that uh, 8 March date cut off uh, to the process for, for it to be seen through? And I ask this question because uh, there's that open letter that came through to the commission uh, from specific uh, uh, parties, some including the African Congress for Transformation, the African Transformation Movement, the African People's Convention, um, the Azapo, the Azanian People's Organization, Build One South Africa Land Party, there's many of them, Umkonto Oesizo Party, rise Mzanzi, that are expressing concern over the issue of particularly the signature requirements uh, and how that relates to the election timetable.
2: Well, th- two things. Um... The signature signature requirements is a, it's a new um, addition to our legal landscape. Mm-hmm. It was introduced by Parliament uh, in an amendment to the Electoral Act that um, was done last year in April. And um, it was prom- promulgated um, for commencement in June last year. So all of us um, became aware at that point that there's a need, uh, there's going to be a need to collect signatures of registered voters who support one's candidature. Mm-hmm. Um, at least from June last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, there's been a lot of discourse ahead of that, but um, at the point where the law was promulgated was June last year. The one movement South Africa um and um independent candidates association challenged aspects the, um, the, that aspect in court in the concord last year the matter was argued um on the 30 and 31st of August um and, yeah thirty and 31st of August last year and the quantum of signatures in relation to independent candidates was reduced from 15% of the quota to 1,000 flat. The same did not happen in respect of unregistered parties. Um, and on the 20th, uh, four five days before Christmas, on the 20th of December, Rivonia Cycle challenged the signature requirements in relation. To unrepresented parties in the concord. So you can see that um, the, uh, the 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 issue of the uh, signature requirement has a very uh, <laughs> rich history over a short period of time, mm. um, which is indicative of the fact that it was generally known that um, independent candidates. As well as unrepresented parties, ought to, ought to furnish signatures of of registered voters supporting their candidates. Now, the IC is not a law-making body, but mm-hmm. it's an implementing agent of the state, insofar as um, the matter pertains to elections. Uh, parliament is a law-making body. Parliament has made that law. It has been challenged in the Constitutional Court. The Constitutional Court felt that in respect of independent candidates, it needed to reduce that to 1,000. The IC has adjusted its system to accord with that decision of the Constitutional Court. On the other hand, Rivonia cycle challenged the 15% of signatures based on the previous quota in respect of unrepresented um, parties the court said it's not in the interest of justice to hear that, that issue on an urgent basis. In other words, uh, the court said that it's too late in the day uh, to deal with the matter. So uh, it's not an IEC invention. It's a parliamentary invention. It's been challenging the court. The court has made determinations. It is for the IEC now to implement that which those arms of state have determined.
1: Hmm. So then, so there will definitely be no reconsideration or the extension of the deadline uh, to facilitate, you know, for uh, those that want uh, that date disc- date extended to facilitate for what they're saying would be inclusive and a more informed electoral process. Because particularly in relation to the issue of uh, independent candidates who are coming in for the very first time.
2: No, look, um, I, we did indicate, KJ, that um, to the extent that uh, the, there's a request for a meeting, the, the Commission cannot be um, closed off to the possibility of a meeting and will hear the, the views as may be expressed. Okay. And uh, considerations could be. made. But here's a point that uh, I think all of us as South Africans have to bear in mind.
3: mm mm-hmm.
2: If you shift one date in the timetable, there's a consequential impact on the next date. Um, So if you say you move the date from the 8th of uh, March to any other date, it means the window period you have to print the ballot papers is reduced.
1: Yeah. Is there, is there a barrier to entry um, for, you know, a, a, and whether that would be in hindsight or for future uh, electoral processes uh, and, and any learnings that you're taking, is there a, a, a barrier to entry, particularly for the newer parties, for the smaller parties?
2: Let, let me answer this by giving you uh, the, the following um, uh, fact in 1994 about 16 political parties took part in the election and 12 of them managed to secure representation so you can see that the there was a high level of representation relative to the number of participants mm. Fast forward to 2019, the last national election we had. We had, uh, I think, 46 parties on the national ballot, and only 14 made it into parliament. So you can see that uh, there, there, there is um, fragmentation in the political system, mm. which is fine, it's part of our. Constitutional rights and so on, but that fracturing um, uh, is not giving you a more diverse and a more plural legislative assembly. It's not giving you a more uh, diversified, if you like, um, uh, 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 parliament. But that's not for the really for the commission to uh, to determine. the The interest of the commission is that the voter must ultimately be given a ballot paper on the basis of which an informed choice can be made. Real substantive choices of the voter is the primary occupation um, of the the commission. Now, is this a barrier of entry? Of course, all democracies um, do prescribe and regulate the right stand for public office um, because otherwise the 62 million of us mm-hmm. uh, can potentially wake up and say I want to contest which is why it's important to introduce um, the to regulate if you like the right to stand for public office so that uh, only those with a, a clear intention, um, and they are contestants of substance, make it uh, to the ballot paper and offer people real choices to make at the ballot box. So um, it's not something uh, peculiar to the South African environment. It, you find in all democracies where the right to send is regulated.
1: Yeah. Mr. Mamabulo, I'll warn you that uh, we invited uh, listeners to call in with uh, their questions and ask them as well to send voice notes. And there's quite a number of people uh, that are holding that want to ask you questions. And there's also a lot of voice notes that have come through for you. Um, and when we come back from the news headlines, I will take all of those calls and all of those um, voice notes, voice note by voice note so that everybody um, has a chance to ask you a question remember i said if you want to ask the chief electoral officer who we are uh, talking to this morning mr sai mamabolo uh, please call on the 086-000-2032 number we start with dali in johannesburg The deadline is there is the issue of the deadline restriction rest- uh, restriction. Okay, Dali, we'll, we'll come back with you after news because I'm um, being told it's 10.30 now. It's time to go to the news headlines. Nomalizo Mandela is standing by.
0: Across South Africa, online and on radio. SFM. Let's talk.
1: Let's talk. Indeed, 10:32, and uh, I invited you when we started at uh, the top of the hour uh, to call, and I said no question is stupid at all, and it's important because the past Monday uh, that we just came from the Electoral Commission briefed uh, the media at its headquarters in uh, Centurion, and they outlined milestones related to this year's national and provincial elections, and they say political parties, according to them, have been. given 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 adequate time to comply with the signature requirements to contest the elections and the elections timetable follows the gazetting as we now know of the 29th of May as the date for the polls and the commission says the timetable which was published on February 24 was drafted in consultation with registered political parties and relates to the cut of dates and the cut of times of key activities uh, for registered citizens and election contestants and we invited uh, Mr. Simon Mamabulo, uh, the Chief Electoral Officer, who's our guest and we're taking your calls and your voice notes now uh, as we invited you. Darlene Joburg, the new deadline restriction is what you want to talk about. Good morning.
4: Yes, good morning.
1: How are you? I'm well. I'm well. I'm well. Um, do you want to ask a question uh, to Mr. Mamabulo? Yes,
4: I do. Uh, um, yes, hi. Hi, uh, hi, by hi, by. hi. I Hi. I should do that. Very well, very well. Mm, they
1: recognize each other. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Now,
1: before I go on, I just want to
4: pay tribute to him. He's a, a great leader. Sorry. Some of us used to harass him even when he was a deputy uh, chief executive at, at uh, IEC, That's and he's wonderful. always available. Yeah. That's
1: wonderful.
4: Um But I, I just wanted to read this. Uh, sorry, if you maybe give me just a minute, uh, KG, to to put this in perspective i i understand the need for the for the signature campaign uh, for lack of a better word or for putting any barriers because i mean you can't just wake up one day and just have a Dalimpofu party or saima mabulo party uh, there has to be some restriction otherwise we'd have millions and millions of parties and um, but the, the issue really about this whole signature so thing, and I'm asking this to Sai because, I mean, as a, an activist, a former activist, he, he knows this. For new parties, for the bigger parties, uh, ANC, EFF, DA, it's the easiest thing because they've done it before so many times, and uh, in fact, most of them have had their least conferences already, and, and even if he said the deadline is tomorrow, they would, they would comply. But isn't this a restriction to, uh, or a, an unfair barrier to entry for uh, particularly new parties or smaller parties? <clears throat> because, you know, apart from the money that they had to pay, which, which is, is another debate, uh, uh, which is another barrier to entry, now we have another barrier to entry, which is this collection of, of signatures. And, uh, you know, it's it's easier said than done. I mean, but to expect people who have no, maybe some of them don't have the kind of national organizational infrastructure to collect uh, signatures around the country by the 8th, which I I think is next week, Thursday or Friday or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, But isn't that really, really uh, um, uh, completely unreasonable? And can they have a real look into that? And the related question, KG, is whether, uh, I mean, what, what is the rush? What, why must they have these names now? I mean, it, why don't they put the IEC under pressure? Because elections are normally in the first week of May. Now we have, um, uh, it's at the end of May. So why should parties not benefit from that extra two or three weeks? And they, if the IEC has to work overnight to, to collate the names, so be it, rather than restricting democracy uh, for, for the voters.
1: Mr. Mamabolo?
2: Yes. No, no, no. Thanks. Uh, thanks very much, Valid.
1: Uh,
2: um, uh, Let me start with the last question. Um, I did indicate that following the submission of lists of candidates on the eighth, there are certain processes that are legally sanctioned that must uh, unfold. For instance, the the verification of the nominated people the publication of the list of provisional lists of candidates uh, giving time to members of the public and interested parties to submit objections and entertaining objections that may arise as well as appeals Um, that may have to go before the Electoral Court for Determination. And once all those processes, which are time-consuming, are complete, you have to then publish the final list of candidates. And only at that point are you able to commence the ballot printing um, exercise. Now, in this election, we are going to claim 50 percent more ballots than was previously the case precisely because we now the electoral system now introduces a third ballot we used to operate on two ballots that is no longer the case we now operate on um on three ballots it is unknown at the moment as to how many independents they're going to be? How many parties are going to be? We'll only know that notionally on the 8th of um, on the 8th of March. So that the ballot printing exercise is a time-consuming thing. Uh, it's oh. a time-consuming exercise because not only are you meant to print, you must print, pack the station, stitch together into books of hundreds do a quality check and then only then commence the process to distribute um, to the right point. So it's a complex um, operation. <coughs> now, um, we obviously want to certify the voters all so we will know how many ballots to print in each uh, ballot type. But um, we're not talking anything less than... 70 million ballots that must be printed within a 30-day a period. So it's a, it's, a, it's a complex, and a ballot paper is so basic to an election that if we, got wrong, we get it wrong for one or the other reason, that uh, election will be a nullity. Now, this country cannot afford uh, to have an election which is a nullity because uh, we got the, uh, that project wrong. Now, is 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 uh, these signatures are they a barrier of entry? No, no doubt, um, but I think they are part of regulating um, the right the right to vote. But um, like I indicated earlier, to the extent that um, the there are uh, uh does a disquiet about the 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 8th of March, the Commission can never really. Uh, be averse to meeting and hearing out um, the uh, the views that other contestants or potential contestants uh, have.
1: Okay. Mr. Mpofu, are you answered?
4: Yes. No, I am uh, partly. I think uh, I, he makes a good point about <clears throat> the fact that the uniqueness of this particular election obviously puts additional demands on the IEC itself. It's okay. not business as usual, so to speak. I think that point is, is well made. Uh, but the, the, the point that I, I really wanted to make is, is, is that, well, the, okay, let me make an example. I mean, in 1994, we had um, the IFP decided, literally on the eve of the election, that they were going to participate. And the IEC made a plan to to make sure that they're on the ballot, literally within hours or, 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 or days. Uh, so the, uh, my plea is that the, the, the pressure should be more on the IEC because the IEC is funded by us. It has infrastructure, it has employees, it has all sorts of, of people uh, rather than political, putting the pressure on the political parties. So that if, uh, let's make an example, if they have two or three service providers who print ballot papers, then they must get 10, mm. you know what I mean?
3: Yeah. So, and,
4: and then do it in a, in a shorter space of time because that's that's public money, rather than putting a strain on the democracy itself, because of, by uh, overly restricting uh, political party participation, then you are restricting the citizen's choice. Mm. So I know it's a balancing act, but I'm saying that balancing act, mm. it's not a straightforward thing, but that balancing act must be uh, more weighted in favor of the citizen rather than the IEC.
1: Okay. Point made, Mr. Mpofu. Thank you. I have to let yeah. you go you. because we have a lot of callers uh, that want to come through. Thank you. Lucky in Pretoria East. Good morning.
5: KGN, good morning to Mr. Mamabule and the listeners. I've got a question which relates to what I characterize as a political policy scheme. Uh, political policy schemes in this fashion. I would want to know from Mr. Mamabulo if the Electoral Act does allow a situation where uh, individuals collect their 1,000 signatures, (coughs) go go through a political party in order to to have those uh, uh, signatures count for both the political party and for them as individuals, I would not want to mention the name of a political party because I don't want to put Mr. Naumahulu in a very difficult situation. I just want him to understand the
3: principle.
5: Mm-hmm. And secondly, in terms of the Electoral Act, does the Act allow a situation where political parties bring their bits and pieces to form a government Excluding a party with the highest number of votes, for instance, let's say one party gets 49%, mm. which will is the highest, and the rest is below 49%. In other words, it means it calls for, 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 for a, 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 what do you call this, a government where a lot of parties come together. Oh my,
1: government of national unity.
5: Yeah, 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 coalition government.
1: A coalition government, yes, yes.
5: Yeah. Does the act allow a situation where a party with ten percent and a party with twenty percent, another one with two percent, can decide to gang up at the, and exclude the one with forty-nine percent? Because in that case, the will of the majority will have been subverted.
3: Mm, so, good I, I,
5: I would, yeah, I would want to understand. W- what exactly will unfold in the event that happens, what is the position of the ITC with regard to a situation like
1: that? Okay. Great question. Lucky, do you wanna listen to your response on the radio please? Mr. Mamabolo?
2: Yes. Um again let's start with the the last question. And he's asking if the electoral act specifically addresses the Issue of um, coalitions and uh, mechanisms that are in place to uh, regulate uh, coalitions. Um, coalition making—it's it's a post-election uh, reality, and to that extent, the electoral electoral court does not um, regulate uh, the formation and uh, of, of coalitions. So the role of the ends at the point where we declare the outcome of an election. In other words, at the point where we declare the results of an election and those that have been um, elected. Um, The constitution of government after the election is therefore a matter outside of the purview of the Electoral Commission. And then the the, the first question uh, about signatures. I mean, not to have understood the uh, the question well, but I, I think that the the uh, the epicenter of the question is: Can individuals support a registered voters? That is support a a uh, an independent candidate as well as a political party. The, the short answer to that it is yes, um, for as long as these are authentic signatures of um, registered um, registered voters.
1: Okay. Mzu Vele, I hope I'm not mispronouncing your name in Pretoria. You want, you want clarity on the allocation of seats in the various provinces. Good morning, Mzu Vele. How are you? I'm well, uh, thank you.
4: Thank you so much. Uh, I'm a political leader anyway. Uh, I just want to ask, here I see all provinces are are, are allocated seats, but there is an exception with Western Cape, where it says, uh, according to provincial constitution. I just want to ask the the CEO the exception which is given to Western Cape. What causes that? Okay. Okay.
1: Mzuvela, yes, please please listen, um, Zuvela to your response on the radio. Yes, uh, Mr. Mamabulu, you can go.
2: Yes, thanks, KJ. Yes. The, the Western case regulates the determination of the size of each provincial legislature in terms of the provincial constitution. Um, and in terms of that, they have very distinct provisions that regulate the determination of the size of their legislature. And um, that procedure which they, they have outlined in their constitution, in their provincial constitution, excludes the involvement of the Electoral Commission. The matter uh, was before the Constitutional Court in years gone by. I just don't remember what year that was. And the Concord Court found that to be a competent way of dealing with the determination of the size of the provincial legislature. Thank you.
1: Okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to then go to a quick commercial break, Mr. Mamabulo, and then come back with uh, voice notes. I'm hoping that uh, I can play the voice note and respond to each. We have about two, four, five, six, a couple of them, let me say, Uh, and we'll deal with those when we come back. Uh, We are talking all things elections with uh, Mr. Sai Mamabulo. It's 10.48.
0: (laughs) You are listening to KG Mwekezi on SAFM.
1: 10.51, we're talking all things elections with uh, the Chief Electoral Officer at the IEC, the Independent Electoral Commission, Mr. Sai Mamabulo. Uh, Mr. Mamabulo, like I said, there's voice notes now, so I'll play a voice note at a time and allow you to respond to the comment and or question. Here's the first one.
5: Uh, good morning, KF and your visitor, Mr. Sai Mamabulo. Let's find out from him, uh, the new arrangement of signatures,
2: does it also apply to new parties that want to stand for national elections, uh, or is it only applicable to independent candidates? And then, if so, for example, uh, for the new parties, how many signatures should they each have? Is it per per province,
5: or is it nationally? And the number, please. Thank you. Libiza from Bloomington.
1: Mr Mamabolo
2: the, to, it does apply to new parties as well as to independent candidates in respect of independent candidates it's uh, 1000 signatures for each election type so if you want to contest the region to national segment of the elections in Gauteng it will be 1000 of registered voters in Gauteng And the same if you you wanted to um, contest the KZN to national uh, elections, it would be 1,000 signatures in in KZN. In respect of parties, uh, unrepresented parties, it's uh, 15% of the quota of votes required to win a seat in the last election. So um, you take the number of votes, you needed to win a single seat and take 15% of that, and that is the requirement um, uh, for, for signatures in respect of political parties. I did say uh, earlier that um, the the matter, uh, Rivonia Cycle took the matter to the Concord. The Concord has not had the merits of the matter. They said um, uh, it is not in the interest of justice to hear this issue on an urgent basis. Um, which means uh, it could be heard, uh in the normal court, in the Concord. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, can I deliver that,
1: uh, KJ? Okay, that's fine. Here's the next one.
0: I'd like to know from the IEC, why do we have to register when we vote? Because I believe that if they can extract the database from uh, Home Affairs, as we do when you open uh, bank accounts from these uh, new banking uh, companies that came out recently so why don't IEC do the same way as they they do to get a, a a database from straight from 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 IEC for the people who are eligible who are eligible to vote why is that not possible to happen because i believe if they can do it that way even the young people would will, will be will be interested to vote because i remember last time i was uh, studying at unisa the voting was done online and no, nothing like it was a uh, for, for 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 such.
1: Mister Mamabolo, why do we have to register?
2: Well, it, it is possible, like other jurisdictions do, to use the national population register also as the as the voters roll. Um, however, then one has to accept that uh, the imperfections that may be inherent in the National Population Register are then transferred into the electoral sphere. So, um, you know, <laughs> if you're saying uh, that people who are have uh, gotten IDs incorrectly and so on, inherently you're going to be assimilating um, those types of uh, imperfections. But um, as, a, as a policy matter, uh, it is possible other jurisdictions um, do it that way. Our 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 parliament has seen it differently. Um, that the national common voters role well must be on the basis of um,
1: registration. Okay, uh, here's another voice note. KG and the team, can you please ask uh, Mr. Mamabolo the if. I will be able to vote for the province if I'm still in the same province but outside my VD in these elections. Say I'm registered in East London and I'm in Tata. Will I be able to vote for both the, the national and the province even though I'm outside my VD but still inside the province? Thank you, it's Winnie Mandela in East London. Yeah, that's a very valid question about issues of voting districts, Mr. Mamabulo.
2: Yeah, and no, I think it's he, 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 a very important point he raises. Yes, um, you will be able to vote outside of your voting station of registration. However, you have to pre-notify the commission of your intention to be outside of your voting station and to indicate where you're going to be voting so that provisions can be made Um, for that and also to avoid perceptions or manifest uh, voting twice in the election so that discipline is very important in election administration if you are within if you are still within your province of registration you will get your regional ballot as well as your provincial ballot um as well as the uh, compensatory national ballot. so if you are within your province, you'll get all ballots. But okay. if you are outside of your province of registration, you'll only get the compensatory national ballot.
1: Okay. Here's another voice note, Mr. Mamabolo.
0: Good morning, KG and the listeners. My question to, to the IEC is, why we are not allowed to vote for national ...if we are not in the uh, voting, voting district or voting station that I'm registered at. Because that was working before. You couldn't, you couldn't vote for province for obvious reason Because you are not in the province. But surely, I must be allowed to vote wherever in South Africa for national uh, uh, um, ballot. People who are overseas they are not going to be able to vote for provinces because they are not in the province they will be in uh, in, uh, in, in, in 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 international uh, countries so what is the rationale basically my question is what is the rationale
1: mr mamapolo
0: The
2: if you are and i think that we just it, but just for uh, completeness if you will be allowed to vote outside of the voting station of registration. However, that will be on the basis of a pre-notification to the IEC. Okay. And um, we will indicate when that, um, the, the pre-notification will be open. Okay. Uh, and if you are within the province, you'll get the national ballot, the provincial ballot, and the regional ballot. If you are outside
5: of
1: your province, you only get the national ballot. Okay. Okay. Here's the final voice note, Mr. Mamabulo.
5: Good morning, KG. David from Malberton. I'd like to find out from I his thoughts on how effective it would help uh, IEC if an election date is legislated and fixed to one particular date that is known everyone already and removing the ambiguity or the uncertainty of not knowing when the actual date will be. Thank you.
1: You want to respond, Mr. Mambovolo?
2: Yes, the, uh, again, there are jurisdictions such as the U.S. which um, follows a, a, a framework um, of that nature. Is the Constitution uh, a matter which vests the uh, decision making r- relating to the date um, on the president. Perhaps we, it's a matter that the electoral reform panel can can look at for the future, whether it is desirable to um, to manage that issue in terms of the Constitution rather than vest it uh, as an executive um, uh, 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 prerogative.
1: Okay. Thank you for allowing us the hour uh, of your time, Mr. Mamabulo. And I'm sure we'll talk again before uh, the 29th of May. Thank you so much.
2: You're welcome. And it was a pleasure really being here with you.
1: Wow. Sai Mamabulo is the Chief Electoral Officer of the Independent Electoral Commission. Brings us to 11 news time.